Hi, I'm Charisma O'Keefe. And I'm Angelica Yard. And we're the heart behind the Heart and Hustle podcast. Every Wednesday, we share a new episode with our listeners on topics that range from business and creativity to leadership and innovation. We also interview some of the best and brightest in the industry and spread our love of entrepreneurship all over the internet with our hashtag, BossSoHard. We're on a mission to help you find balance in your life, creativity in your career, and dollars in your bank account. So sit back, relax, and take notes while we show you how to dream big, work hard, and repeat. I'll stop you if it's... Oh, crap. Hi. (laughs) (laughs) So it's... It's so great. It's summer for our students and teachers in uh, Orlando. Yeah. They are on break officially. Um, So John is, like, home and, you know... The kids are at the gym, which is what we were just talking about. All the children at the gym. It's been interesting the past They've taken over your gym. Taken over full puberty. Yeah. <laughs> like adolescenthood everywhere. And this is like when when summer hits here, like we just see children everywhere. Everywhere. And I think that part of that is because we're so clo- like close proximity to Disney, but in celebration, like in the downtown area and stuff, I mean, I, I was having lunch with uh, my friend Maria the other day. She lives over like in the College Park area. Yeah, yeah. So she came over here and we, she had not been to the cookie dough place. So she's like, mm. we'll do that. And we grabbed a slice. And so we're sitting there having like catching up, you yeah. know, all of a sudden about eight teenagers like oh, came around the corner loud as I'll get out and just sat behind like the table right next to us, and we're just looking at each other. And it's like, cool, we can barely have a conversation we're such now old because they're. Right now. Oh yeah, you definitely. Talk about get off my But lawn. I feel like I've always been like that too. I have like, to. I like mean, you know, I've it's been. like I could be fifteen and having like you know tea with a friend, and then a group of loud fifteen-year-olds comes, and I'm like, oh, oh go, gosh, these youths! I can't <laughs> with these youths. Um, so just go ahead at the top of the episode. Want to remind y'all that um, if you have anybody that you would like to send us. Uh, as far as um, interviewing, or if you would like to be interviewed, please email us um, at heartnesshallpodcast at gmail, or you can write to us on Instagram, Facebook, all the different places. We're at Heart Hustle Pod on uh, Twitter, and then we're Heart Hustle Podcast everywhere else. And then you can use the hashtag Boss So Hard to show us uh, what you all are doing in your neck of the woods. So yeah. shout out to the people who have reached out on Instagram, which has been really cute. Like, like some people chatting about our Pascal episodes, and that was nice. Cause I'm like, hi, humans. Yeah, you're there. You're listening. Yeah, we love Which hearing from you. It's funny numbers. because yeah, like because we see the numbers, and then like sometimes when we do finally talk to somebody, they're like, I've been listening for so long, yeah. and then we're like, wow, like tell us because we want right. to hear from you. Because like, you're just a number to me. <laughs> until <laughs> we want to see a face. Yeah, we want to like see that face and like you know be supportive of the work you do and like be community building. So even if you even if you're like you know what. I really love this community, but, like, I'm not trying to be interviewed. I'm way too nervous. Like, that's okay. Like, shoot us an email. Anyway, just doing. show us what, what you're you working eating? on. Let what us support you. Like? Exactly. <laughs> so just let us support you, you know, whether you're on the podcast or not, because um, there's always space for that. So we um, are getting back into interview season. So we have a stacked summer full of some awesome interviews. Um, so And lots of people that are, I don't want to say based in Orlando, but have ties to Orlando. Uh, which is fun. So today uh, we're going to be interviewing someone who runs a tour company in New York City, which is something that we've never done here. And again, that's a big thing that we're trying to do lately is uh, interview people that are doing things that we have not seen before. So if that is you or if you know someone, please, please, please come our way because, you know, we don't want to, it's, yes, there's everyone um, who does the same sort of things can give a new perspective to it but you love yourself as the coach that you are i appreciate your pitch 
But we're taking a break. Yeah, it's like, you know, (laughs) people that have done either do the same things that we do or the same things that people that we've interviewed a ton of times, it's like, obviously people can have unique perspectives and we will get back to those, but we really just want to get into like people that, you know, do things that we're just like, wow, I never even thought of that. Like I've never even, I've never thought about the fact that like, yes, people actually own tour companies. Like I use them all the time when I travel and I love a good walking tour, but I never thought about like, what's like, like the life of, you know, a tour guide owner, like, so we're kind of getting into that today and just trying to tackle those careers that we don't hear about And we didn't, um, talk about it on the episode and during the questions, but I want to say that Shelly, C-City Tours is Airbnb experience certified, so if you ever book experiences on Airbnb, she's also on there as well, so check that out when you're in the city, if you want to do any of the amazing tours she talked about, they will be on Airbnb experiences as well to make it a little bit easier, because I know sometimes people Mm -hmm. aren't sure what to do and how to get verified or what where to book things. And I get it. When you're in a new city, it's really hard to find the validity of some of the things that you're doing, especially when it comes to lodging or experiences. So I know a lot of people use Airbnb, so she is Airbnb verified. FYI. All right. Well, I hope that y'all love the interview as much as we do. Thanks. Bye. So we are back. It is June. Was it June last time we recorded? Last week was it June? Probably not. No. Okay, so it's June. I think we were excited about it being June, or if it was June, it had just turned. You know, it was just turning June. We were ranting about it's not actually summer yet. Yeah, or something like that. I don't know. (laughs) So that's what we were talking about. But we're super excited because we have a guest this week, and you guys have been itching for more guests. And it is my friend Shelly, and I met Shelly actually at uh, Sarah of SarahHearts.com. She's in LA now, but she used to host these workshops. Uh, like craft and I forgot what it's called. I don't know. It was something craft night, but it was at West Elm, and so I had done a couple, and I met Shelly there. I like sat at the table with her and her sister. I think it was, but what both sisters or one, Shelly? Uh, just one. Just one, yeah. And so we like, I was like, okay, you people are the funniest people I've ever met. And then from there, she started a little book club, and I had the pleasure of doing the branding for it. It was books and bubbly. And it was fantastic, and I still want the concept to be a global thing, because I think it's the best idea. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's the best idea ever, and I just need to move to New York so we can make it happen. Um, and then she moved to New York City, but we're here today to talk about your business, your journey to entrepreneurship, and all this stuff. So for all I guess who don't know you and your brand, just give us a little bit about your story and your background. Sure. Hi, guys. Thank you guys for having me, by the way. Um, yeah, so my name is Shelly. And I like to say that I was a born entrepreneur. I was a type of kid that at age 10, I sold my Halloween candy on Halloween on the corner of my street after everyone had gone trick-or-treating. And I made money. I don't know how that happened, but I think because I was a 10-year-old with like a little poodle skirt, they gave me money for it. Um, So I, I mean, I come from a long line of entrepreneurs. My grandfather and my dad, they both owned bodegas here in New York and in Florida. And so I think I've always had that fearlessness of making my own money. Uh, But I did go into corporate, the corporate America branding, and I rather went into corporate America. And I worked in television ad sales and for some television networks. And then most recently for a telecommunication company doing marketing for them. So uh, last year I found myself at a kind of a crossroads because my company, the division in New York, had closed down. So I had lost my job. I got laid off. And I kind of found myself in this situation where I had to think about, okay, I'm in New York City. I'm, I 
can do anything I really want because there's everything open. What do I want to do? Do I want to go back to corporate America or do I want to actually follow my entrepreneurial dreams? Which I chose the latter, of course. That's why we're here. Um, but yes, I come from a, a you know background of marketing and performance art. Uh, I'm a drama kid through and through. And so I decided to follow my passions of voice acting and then get into the travel and tourism industry and do some walking tours so that everyone can see my freak flag fly because I love, I'm a geek and I love history and I love um, fun trivia facts. So it kind of all tied it all together in a nice little bow. Um, but yeah, and I live in New York now. <laughs> That is amazing. Um, first of all, I can't wait to take one of your tours because I'm also like a big nerd and I love history facts and I love walking tours and I love any tours that tell me anything about history. So pretty much like when I went to Europe, like that's all I did. I was like, let's do another walking tour today. Um, we don't really have like a ton of great ones here in Orlando. Like we have like a ghost tour downtown, but I don't know. It just doesn't, I don't know. Like nothing here is that old. Like nothing here is old enough to like. The it's town like, we live in is like, like a so, child. Like it's a teen, like it's a yeah. history game. Like Celebration is literally like younger than I am. <laughs> yeah, and then so. like Orlando is like my mom's age. You know what I mean? Like my mom is probably older than Orlando. I don't know. <laughs> so yeah, we don't have like the history here, um, but I love it when we travel. It's amazing. I agree. I mean, I did live in Orlando for most of my life. I was raised, even though I was born in New York, I was raised in Orlando um, because my family, my grandfather pretty much retired during the Golden Girls era. Um, and so everyone kind of moved down to Florida in the 80s and 90s, and that's where I was raised. Um, so I get you on Orlando being so young. And I think that's kind of why I was even more passionate about history because I found it so fascinating to find little corners, even of Orlando, and like see the, the history in it. And I'm like, oh wow, okay, it's not all Disney and like yeah. manufactured strip malls. Like, there's actual history behind it. Um, and I apologize, I don't have to turn off my <laughs> I, my mail thing on my. You're on just my so life. popular. We don't. We. <laughs> um, anyhow, um, so yeah, back to the story is that uh, Orlando does have its own charm and I when I lived in Orlando I wrote for a a local blog called the Orlando and I don't know if you're familiar yes, with Orlando yeah, of course <laughs> yeah I wrote for them and um the reason I did that is because I was so into bringing that culture out of you know the trenches because people do they have this like idea of Orlando not having culture Orlando not having history Orlando you know and if you believe that, then it's just like the law of attraction. Then, yeah, you're not going to have it if you don't create it. But I feel like since I left, actually, um, a lot of mini subcultures have been building up in Orlando. And I'm so proud to see that, you know. Yeah. Oh, we have a lot of culture. I, you know, our history is very short because it's just not, you know... Yeah. Like, my grandparents moved here around the time that, like, Disney was settled. And it's funny because when I see photos of, like, Dr. Phillips back then, I'm like, oh, my gosh, like... There were literally just trees. Like, there was, was nothing Yeah, it here. was just orange trees, which um, was orange groves. But, yeah, <laughs> culture-wise, especially, and I think part of that is just because it, we're such a transient city. Like, I'm, like, an Orlando native, so I was born and raised here, but most of the people that I know, you know, are from other places, a lot of being from New York, of course, and so it's just beautiful because you have so many different types of people coming together to create kind of this 
very unique culture of many cultures. Um, so I think that that's kind of what makes Orlando great is it being such a transient city. New York, New York is a very transient city as well. So I want to hear, since um, specifically since you went from Orlando to New York, uh, which is a journey that I might be making soon myself, tell us about that journey. And then once you got there, like how you decided, like, this is a good city for me to become an entrepreneur. Sure. Yeah. So, I mean, as I mentioned before, uh, I feel like New York was chosen specifically because my grandparents officially, you know, originally chosen in the 60s when they moved there. And um, having been born there in the 80s, and then I, I left at five. So I felt like I never got to fully immerse myself in that electricity that New York City gives us. Um, because I was raised in the suburbs of Orlando. So I always had in the back of my mind, when I become an adult, I want to move back, I want to go in, I want to be an adult there. And after college, I got a job immediately. And then even after that, uh, five years after, I ended up moving to Spain, to Madrid, Spain for two years to do some work there. And when I came back, I came back to Orlando as like a launch pad, but I already knew, okay, the next step is for me to move back to New York and give myself that adult New York experience that I've always craved. Um, as I said before, I've, I've always been a performer. I was always a freelance writer. I've, I've just been a lover of the arts. And being a freelance writer, I knew that like New York City was a place to be for the industry. So if, if it is your industry or the industry you want to get into, always look at the cities that are pretty much this, the ones that are like the um, the pioneers or maybe just the people leading the pact at the time. So like San Francisco for tech, you know, things like that. So I knew I wanted to go back to New York and my best friend Jonathan and I on, on December 31st, 2013, we made a pact that 2014 we were moving to New York. That was our New Year's resolution. There was nothing else there. We were going to make it happen. But we had a couple of ground rules. We definitely were not going to go without a job because we both had really good jobs at the time. So my goal was I need to um, interview and get the job in New York before I move. I like stability and I like, which is very off from entrepreneurship. I've learned a lot, but I needed to have like that, that job that I knew that when I moved, I wasn't going to be out on the streets. So that was number one. And um, number two, we needed to make sure that this was exactly what we wanted and that nothing was going to deter us. So we kept checking in with each other month after month as we interviewed, you know, we're sure about this, we're sure about this. And there was no doubt. So by um, August, I moved to New York. I got a job and I had two weeks to move <laughs> between getting the job and starting the job. So I had no break in between, moved here on a Friday, started work on a Monday. So it was pack your bags and go. I left a lot of things behind, but I knew that this is the only way I could probably get there. And I figured I'd go back and pick up my stuff or whatever when I had the time, which I never did. I ended up selling things off. Um, and then when I got here, I already had the job. So it was more about, you know, assimilating, finding a, an apartment and things like that. Um, I sublet for three months at an apartment, like a room inside an apartment mm -hmm. until I could get my like feet on solid ground. Jonathan actually got the job, got his job a month before. So he did the same thing. So when he moved, he was subletting as well. Um, 
so we ended up subletting for a little bit. Um, and then it really wasn't until 2015, so until a year later, that I decided I wanted to become an entrepreneur because I already had a year under my belt of working in corporate America, you know, saving money and knowing how to budget with the new living expenses that I didn't have in New York, in Orlando. And I decided, okay, now that I've pretty much, I feel like I'm good on this end, now it's time for me to follow the dreams that I came here for. And so I started taking acting classes, voice acting classes in the city and met a lot of fellow actors, a lot of them in, on Broadway, like some in Les Mis, some on, um, uh, what's that called, School of Rock. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, so I met a lot of people, I guess, in the industry, which A, motivated me more and B, kind of just like us, um, assured me that this is where I wanted to be. These were my people, essentially. And yeah, so I started taking classes and then for pretty much a year, I was taking voice acting classes and trying to master the skills of acting without showing your face. <laughs> And then in 2016, I, I did, uh, produced my first commercial demo. And that's pretty much like in your guy, it, you know, I'm, I'm sure you guys are both in graphic arts or, mm -hmm. you know, digital world. It's more like your portfolio, essentially, your, de your demo. So um, I produced that. And that's when things kind of got started on the voice acting end. Um, yeah, so I mean, it's it's been kind of like a weird journey. I always had it in the back of my mind, but I've I put it into like a multi-step plan, if that makes sense, like a five-year plan, a ten-year plan, things like that. Yeah, I like that you one that you guys had planned it, and I remember when Jonathan moved, I was like, look at these real adults getting <laughs> going to the city, and I think at that time I was pregnant. I had like just told you I was pregnant when you were leaving when we did your going away party. <laughs> I remember that. Yeah. I was like, you're leaving, by the way. I'm having a whole child. Um, <laughs> which is, you know, like so crazy to think that. Like that was so long ago. Yeah. Oh my word, that's such a long now time ago. Now you have a whole human. Oh my goodness. I know. She was, uh, we met Shelly when we went to New York last year. And yeah. she was insane. like in love. She was like, this is the best person I've ever met. And we went, like yeah. shopped in Sephora. And it was just, it was crazy. We were instant BFFs, like holding hands and everything. It was wonderful. It was just a hot mess. <laughs> But, I mean, listening to your demo reel after you put it out and just seeing your journey and the fact that you put in the work to become a voice actress is important because I think a lot of times people sometimes think that we you luck into things and that there's not a ton of work behind it. And we like interviewing people and really hearing about the story and being able to share with others that it's not just looking in. It's really hard work to have a 9 to 5 and then on the side taking acting classes in a city that traditionally is more expensive mm -hmm. than most places. Yes. So you really have to be busting your butt to justify the cost of saying, I'm going to spend more money into these acting classes because this is what I really want to do. So it's not just, you know, a flighty, like my parents paid for my acting. You know what I mean? Like you really put in the effort, which I really think is important. So I really appreciate you sharing that part of the story with us. For sure. I mean, I will tell you, full disclosure, in total, you know, with classes, with equipment, with, um, producing my demo. I mean, I've definitely invested upwards five thousand dollars in my in my voice act in my voice acting career. Um, because you're right. I mean, especially in that field, I feel like a lot of people they 
they're told at one point in their lives, oh, you have a really nice voice. Or they could do a really good impression of Bart Simpson and suddenly they think that they can do um, the next door of the Explorer. You know, it's not, every actor that you hear on radio, you know, they've invested a lot into their, into their skill. And I think it, it's really important to keep that in mind that anything that we do as an entrepreneur, we should be the masters of it. You know, we should be like the most equipped person at that industry. Um, whether it be making greeting cards or, you know, leading walking tours, like you should know your crap, you know, I'm, I'm trying not to, <laughs> to say what bad words on the podcast, but yeah, you should know you what you're doing. You still haven't gotten flagged yet, and we let some slip, you're fine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> For some I've, reason, I've iTunes worse. still hasn't dropped an explicit rating, <laughs> like, rating on our podcast, and we've definitely got some more. But yeah, yeah, definitely preparation is key. Yeah, um, so what is it like working as a voice actress? I think up until very recently, with the surgeons of documentaries, especially uh, the ones about voice actors and voice actresses that we've really gotten to understand who the people behind the thing, the memes and stuff. Like, I don't know how many times I've seen that meme of Cree Summer now for the past 10 years on the internet being like, this one woman voiced all your favorite cartoons. And it's mm-hmm. like, yeah. So what is it like working as a voice actress? Give people a little bit yeah. of an insight of what that looks like. Absolutely. I would tell you that um, I'm still learning what it's like. You know, obviously, like, every time I get a new job, I'm still like that little kid at Christmas, like, holy crap, I'm actually getting paid to do voiceover. Like, you know, I'm one of those type of people that keeps like a list of intentions and a list of like goals. I don't call them resolutions for the year. I call them goals because I feel like I'm going to make them. And one of the goals last year was to get paid, you know, to get a paycheck for voiceover. And then when I actually did, it was like this weird realization that I was like, oh, my God, I actually did that. Uh, But I'm still learning daily. And one of the things that has really helped me has been to plug into the communities. Um, I'm through Facebook, believe it or not. I'm a member of a bunch of Facebook groups, one of them being um, Voice Actors of NYC or Voice Actors of New York, and they post things about whether it be like what equipment to use or whatever. It's a really good community, Um, and so through them, I'm learning, you know, how to get better at auditioning, you know, we celebrate our goals together and such, so for me, a daily day in the life of right now for me would be to um oh you know do my breakfast and all that I work from home most of the time and then I will open up my inbox and go through all of my auditions and pretty much record as many as I can um I am a member of two of the pay to plays which are a really good way of getting talent in touch with client um, I guess it would be the same, similar to like an Upwork situation, okay. um, where you you see all the auditions and you submit and you place a bid essentially on them. Um, and so I'll do I'll do as many as I can with those. But a lot of my paid jobs have come from people in the industry that I've gotten to know that have sent me either auditions or just jobs. I, I've been lucky enough to keep in touch with a lot of casting directors that I met you know, working in TV, and so I've done a lot of TV and radio ads um, since starting, and that's actually a great way of getting a repeat client, because I have a lot of dealerships that they, every time they have a special, they cut a new a new commercial, and then here I come to help them, so, um, so yeah, it's a lot of auditioning, a lot of marketing yourself, 
uh, emailing production houses and sending them your demo and being like, hey, I'm a bilingual voice actor. Here's my demo if, in case you're looking for someone to be put on your roster, things like that. So it's a lot of being confident in yourself and thinking like people are going to want your voice or people are going to need your your expertise or your work. So putting yourself out there. It, I feel sometimes like I'm this like aspiring, you know, you see it on TV. Those like aspiring actors in the videos that are like waiters slash whatever and running to auditions. Like I do that, but kind of virtually because I do it from home. Um, but yeah, it's a, it's a lot of auditioning. <laughs> it's a lot of trusting your gut. Definitely, yeah. I def I just think um, understanding from a actress or a voice act like an, an entertainment perspective, the amount of consistent going and trying things and being accepting of no yeah, <laughs> really early on, it, it makes you more persistent and more set up and stable for what the career you're choosing. Because I think sometimes I hear from other designers or other people own agencies, they're like, oh, we pitched this big thing and we got to know it. And for them, that's like the end of the world. Like they just like, they're out for like a week. They're crying. It's self-care. It's donuts all day. And I'm like, wow, you don't understand that some of my friends in entertainment are auditioning nonstop three to five times a day, depending on where they live, depending on the age, the thing that they're doing. And they hear no all the time. And so I think it's something... There's something, a power in understanding that no doesn't mean that you are not good at what you do. It just means you're not the right fit for what they're looking for, whether it be an agency, whether it be a gig, whether it be, you know, a giant project or whatever it is. And I think now that we're in an age of kind of open discussions about understanding what the, the power of the word no and us being able to say no as entrepreneurs, we need to understand the power of receiving a no as well. Absolutely. And one thing that I heard early on from one of the teachers I took classes from was, you know, sometimes it was, it was more of a meme that he showed and it was a picture of a dog and a cat. And, you know, he was, he was saying, sometimes you go into an audition and they're looking for a cat and you're a dog and there's nothing you can change about who you are that's going to make you a cat. You know what I mean? Sometimes they're looking for something in particular that has nothing to do with who you are. It's just that it doesn't fit the specs, you know? Um, it doesn't fit the requirements that they're looking for. So not taking it personally is the most important lesson in any entrepreneurial thing, any entrepreneurial thing, because there's going to be times where you're going to come out with a product, for example, and that product's going to be specifically for one area of the population and not for everyone else, or, it won't, you know, people will be like, no, it's not for me. You can't be, you know, you can't get hurt about that because it is, there's a, plenty of room for everyone to eat at the table, you know? Yes. Um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, that that's what I feel about it. And, and obviously, not just in voice acting, because I also pursued um, my, my walking tours. And even with the walking tours in a city like New York, that's a walkable city, that's a historic city, and it's, it's so saturated by the walking tour operators. Like, you have to trust in your brand, and what do you bring that's different, you know, that will attract the tourists to seek you out instead of other places, you know, um, it, there's a little bit of cockiness that comes to be, being an entrepreneur, healthy cockiness. You have to be a little bit arrogant about yourself and like love yourself enough to be like, no, this, I, I got a good brand or a good product to sell. 
Yeah, it kind of reminds me of, like, artists where on one hand you're like, oh, like, I'm freaking amazing. And on the other hand, you're like, oh, my God, like, I have imposter syndrome. I feel like that's a lot of entrepreneurs sit in, like, the middle, like, of that fine line um, and dance around it. But, yeah, you do you do need to be able to trust yourself and trust your branding and trust what you offer. And then just trust that it's not going to be for everyone. You literally, you can't have all the clients, you know what I mean? Like, you got to sleep. So, you know, leave some clients for some other people. <laughs> that aren't the right fit for you. For sure. I think being the right fit, in, it's you're pretty much like getting into these relationships, whether it be with clients or with followers or with whoever it is that you're reaching out, your audience. Um, these people have to trust you, and it's like finding a best friend or mm-hmm. finding a friend in general, right? You, you kind of go toward um, people that you're attracted to whether it be the brands that you're attracted to or the people in general, like whoever runs that brand, because that's really important. Um, sometimes I'm turned off by the person running the brand, and I really like the brand, but once I find out the person behind it, I'm like, yeah, you know, kind of changes the mentality on that brand suddenly. So switching gears a little bit, um, you've like you said, you've worked corporate. So how do you apply what you've learned in your like traditional corporate career towards running a business? Everything. I've applied everything. Um, coming from marketing, it was actually a lot more straightforward. Applying, you know, the the marketing techniques that I used for somebody else to use it for myself. Um, but even just administrative work, like the organization, like making, you know, to-do lists and things like that, those tiny little things um, make a big difference in your, in your business. Um, because you suddenly are the accounting department, the... You know, you're your own assistant, you're the marketing department. So I've taken a lot of the things that I saw or I even did during, you know, my time as an assistant, an executive assistant, or my time in the marketing department. I've just taken all of those lessons and use them for myself. Um, and I would say organization is one of the biggest things that I took away from that. Yeah, I... Oh my goodness, I talk about organization so much on this show that it probably drives people nuts, but I don't understand how entrepreneurs go into things without systems and like understanding that you have to be organized to keep your sanity, especially when you, like someone like you who are running two different sort of businesses, so to speak, within the same brand of yourself, um, there has to be such separate things to help run each entity. Like you have to have something set up for each time you record something for an audition or Every time you get ready for a tour, you have your, you know, things that you need to make sure you do the day of, the day before, the marketing, and all this other things. And I don't understand how people do those things without being organized. That's crazy to me. <laughs> yeah, but, you know, funny enough, in corporate America, sometimes there are people that end up getting to the top and then have assistants and get kind of lazy about organization. <laughs> yeah. So it's like, it's like, to some people, you no matter where you are in the entrepreneurial you know, process. You might you might have been a C level executive and forgot how to organize your life because you had somebody doing it for you, and then you leave to start your own thing, and suddenly you're the only person that does all these jobs. You know, um, so yeah, sometimes people just aren't organized. It's totally fine. Just find a system that works for you. Get it together, people. Get it together. So, <laughs> <laughs> why do you think it's important for women of color to not be afraid to take the job? And I feel like this is 
kind of something that we wanted to ask just because you had a career in corporate America up until the point where, you know, you could have easily chosen to work for any other company. You had such a good, I mean, you still have such a good resume behind you that any company would be excited to take you in and have you on their team because you have such a, a, just bigger brands that you've worked for, especially in TV entertainment and communication. So why do you think it's important just to say, you know, I know I'm a woman of color and I know sometimes I'm undervalued depending on where I am in an industry, but I, I can do it. I can make it on my own. Yeah. I mean, honestly, I just think that, and this is so cliche, but it's so true that representation matters. And the reason I say that is because even in like, blogs, like things, bloggers that I follow and things like that, it is so refreshing to see other women of color succeeding and it kind of motivates you a little bit. Um, you know, I just feel like having a woman of color that you can look up to, whether it be, I'm not saying, oh, hey, it's me, but you know, maybe it's other people that want to start something. It is me. So it's kind of like having somebody that you can, that you can look up to and say like, oh, if they can do it, I can do it too. It's really important. And I I just think that we need more of us in every aspect, in every industry. There needs to be more women of color. Um, and it's not, a, it's like numbers, the numbers will change the perception, you know. The more they see in the industries, the more they'll have to take us seriously. And in corporate America, it's in certain aspects, I was... Um, among the minor, uh, the majority rather, because I worked in Spanish language TV for a bit. But then when I went into telecommunication, like I can tell you, I was a mi- minority as a woman of color, and so it kind of, you know, it brought back the reinforcement of like we need to be in every ad- every avenue needs to have. <laughs> we need to be in there. The women of color need to be, you know, um, making our mark. Yeah, I think it is really important. Like and like you said, not even just in the same industry as you, but just across the board. Like I know when I see like blog like I follow a lot of bloggers actually now that are women of color. Um and that's one thing that I felt like I had a bit of disconnect with the blogging world because like everything that was being like recommended and such was like stuff that I couldn't use. Um so it you know, seeing someone who is like whether it's, you know, like your same body type or the same hair type as you or whatever it is, I think it is important to see people in different roles who are succeeding who look like you um, and kind of just make you feel like you can do it too because sometimes it's really hard to walk into a room where you're the only person of color or the only woman of color and, you know, you're the first person doing it by yourself and you feel very isolated in that. But I think that the internet has really shown us that, like, even if maybe you're the first person in your area doing it, there's someone else doing it that you can relate to somewhere else, you know? I agree with you. I mean, and it, it's, it goes as far as even not just, like, let's just say in my, in my, cell, in my case, rather. I am Latina, so my family's from the Dominican Republic. But it's not even just being Latina. It's like oh, it's someone that's from the Dominican Republic, too, you know, or, oh, it's a New Yorker from the Dominican, like, it even goes as far as, like, the communities that you were raised in, and Mm -hmm. um, one great example, I think, in terms of performing arts, um, comes from, like, the Me Too community, or the Me Too, not Me Too, as in, like, M-E-T-O-O, I meant, like, M-I-T-U, it's, it's, like, it's, like, a, the brand that comes from, um, like a, is there like sketch comedy for Latinos? Mm-hmm. Anyways, um, Jenny Lorenzo, which is one of the sketch comedy, like comedians, she has that character that's like the abuela and just her being a Cuban American from Miami 
that uses this character of the Cuban grandma as her main sketch comedy character. It reflects so many people's childhoods. You know, it reminds me of my abuela and like her brand exploded in popularity because it was like people of color could relate to her, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that, that that's like kind of a good story behind why, sorry about that, um, behind, that's a good story behind why representation matters because it like, it connects people like, oh, my grandma does exactly what your grandma does, Jenny, <laughs> you know? Yeah, definitely. I feel like, kind of like in just watching Rita Marino as a, as a kid, uh, I, that's how I felt most connected to the Latino community. Uh, just because growing up in Atlanta, we, we had, like, you know, minorities have a thing where they're like, we all experience the same thing. That's what it is. It's like across the board. I feel like when I went to schools, all the minorities would get together because I went to private school and we all experienced the same thing, just different names and different languages and different things. But we all have like, you know, I feel like mostly everybody has like, a, you know, somebody throwing a shoe at you or something like being threatened and throwing a shoe at you or something like that or a spoon or whatever the case may be when you're a kid. Or it's a different object. Different object. same objects. idea. But so, exactly. <laughs> what is spoon or something. Yeah. You know, or having the, the parent being like, make sure you take the chicken out of the freezer before yeah. I get home and you never doing it because you're too busy playing Nintendo. Like we all... Had that, and so growing up and now seeing all of these different cultures represented in different ways online, I'm very excited. Like I divulge myself in different things. Um, I just followed a Muslim uh, comedian. I need to put her link in the show notes. And she's so funny. She did this whole video about having your period during Ramadan and like don't ask about it. And I just died laughing. It's such a funny, cute little sketch. Like it's so hilarious. I'm so excited to see these women of color like just blow up. Because what they're doing is important, their voices matter, and their cultural, like, experience matter, just like you said about Jenny. So I'm excited to look up more about Jenny and look up more about the Me Too movement, so. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, we, I feel like we are, We. I love this generation that's coming up. I feel like it's a lot more, um, well, obviously, not to overuse the word woke, but just very well aware of the world we live in, who we are, you know, where we fit in this puzzle and how can we change it? Like, I feel like that's the whole entire, um, angle of this generation and the ones that are coming. And I'm very excited to see, especially these younger children, like younger kids, like, um, from like, uh, the, you know, the gun control and all, like, I just, I'm so excited to see where they turn up the older they get and the more, like, the more wise they get, you know, the wiser they get. Totally. Um, where it leads them. So you offer a lot of unique tours uh, with C-City Tours. So where did you get the inspiration for these tours? Well, I'm a traveler through and through. So, um, like you, uh, when I travel, I literally like to go and experience the city as a local. And so having worked in, in corporate America gave me that, the lens of every time I would be commuting to work, I would pass all the tourists with the little flags and, you know, the huge groups of people. And I always thought, like, I don't want it to, if I were in the city, if I was coming to New York for the first time, I would not want to be in these huge crowds that are just attracting, you know, uh, attention, essentially. I was like, I would rather just be in a smaller group that, you know, you're seeing the city, you're getting to know it, and, but you're not necessarily being, like, one of those quote-unquote tourists. Um, and I also didn't like, I don't like the double-decker bus tours. 
you know, props to them, but you're not really seeing the city just by looking at it. It's kind of like just, you know, you're just seeing it from outside. You're not standing on the streets and feeling the concrete underneath you and, like, standing where people did stand. And so um, when I started developing my tours, I decided I developed them from the angle of a, of a traveler, of, like, if I was traveling, if this was me, what would I like? And, you know, at the end of the day, you have to make the art that you like. You have to make the product that you like. Whatever it is, it should, play, it should please you first. Mm-hmm. So I've made tours that I would want to take where it's kind of like, I don't mind if anybody and nobody wants to take my tour because I like doing it myself. So, um, it's, they've all kind of come from, from things that I, from my interests. And then as I've been giving, as I've been leading tours and learning from the, the guests that take tours with me, then I've been developing or changing or tweaking the tours to kind of accommodate what they've told me that they like in travel, you know, while they travel. So it's kind of like a, it's an evolving thing. It's always evolving and getting better. Um, I'm, I'm by no means a seasoned tour guide. So I'm learning every single time I give a tour. Yeah. Um, I definitely live like a local when I travel and people I know, like they make fun of, like I get straight up harassed about like not <laughs> staying in like, you, why don't you stay at resorts when you travel and why don't you eat at like chains and did it and I'm like well, I didn't spend money to do what I can yeah. do in Orlando that's so crazy to me like we have really great resorts here if I want a vacation I'm gonna go to Four Seasons and like spend a, too much money on a night and then like chuck it but I want to live in someone's apartment and like walk my feet you know yeah. and use the transportation if they have public transportation because we don't have it here and I didn't grow up t- using public transportation so when I'm in New York I use public transportation as much as possible to get to and from because I do want to feel like I actually live there it's so crazy so I really appreciate that you um you cater to the people who want those authentic experiences and give them a little insight of what the city is like from someone who lives there because I do think it's kind of ostracized in, in, in at Disney we there's a lot of tour guides and so people have the flags and it's kind of funny and it's kind of fun I feel like because you're international most of the time but I think in New York it's just a, a weird city to want to be in a group on a bus. Yeah. <laughs> like, like a bus. I don't, like, it's weird. I don't get the bus thing at all because I'm just like, but you can't like see it. Yeah. Like, it's like, you're not, you're not you. like I guess you there. see it. You see things from, I, I don't, I've I don't never taken it. a bus. I need to maybe take one so I can have a better understanding. Yeah. Like, of, I guess, yeah. I don't, of I don't. what it is. But I feel like the same thing in LA, just, they have those bus tours in LA that of like the celebrity homes. I don't, it's strange, it's so Yeah, crazy. I saw, like, a ton of them in London when we were, like, you know, over in the busier parts, and I was just like, but, like, you can just walk around. Like, I don't, <laughs> I, I feel like I'm missing something. Like, I don't, and I'm like, also, like, there's gonna be no food if you're on a bus, so, like, I don't, I don't get that either. I'm either, A, like, on a tour that I eat, or B, like, taking notes of, like, oh, I'm gonna stop by there later and get some food. Like, when we were in Oxford, like, it was not a food tour. It was, like, this is, like, all history. And I was, like, that's great. But, like, as I'm walking by these places, like, I'm making a mental note. I'm going to come back here and eat after this tour. (laughs) Oh, for sure. I mean, that's actually funny that you mentioned that because that's kind of one of the things that I include in my most of my tours. We do, um, like, we'll end with a drink or something. And um, I also freelance for another company that are just food and drink tours. And... Yeah, absolutely, including drinks and, and food in a tour changes it for the better. Like, I mean, 
it's kind of like the best way to your heart is through your stomach. That counts mm-hmm. the same way when it comes to, you know, to getting to know a city. Yeah, and, and getting to know other strangers. I think the good thing about the smaller, more intimate tours is that you're also with people you don't know and you're getting to know them. And that could be kind of your friends a little bit over the course of being in a new city is that you get to know these different people from different places. And there's no better way to bond with someone than over a meal. For real. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. So what is the process of becoming a certified New York City tour guide? Because it's an actual thing. And when you showed me, like, when you posted, like, your little, like, ID and all this stuff, I'm like, cannot believe that this is a legit thing that you have to do. It's cool. Like, I don't, I don't know anything about it. So talk to us about what that process was like. There's a few avenues of why people become tour guides in New York City. Some of them become docents at a museum because they're historians or they're getting their doctorates in some sort of thing. Um, and then a lot of them are like me that are performers or we do other jobs and we have a passion for New York, so we decide we want to take it to a next level. So the the main thing about, or the main process, is to become licensed with the Department of Consumer Affairs in New York. And the way to do that is to, you have to take an exam. 150 question exam at the Department of Consumer Affairs, which is similar to like a DMV where you take a number and they take your photo and they give you a license, like a New York license, but it says Department of Consumer Affairs license tour guide, sightseeing guide to be more, more correct. So the one thing about the exam that is really difficult is that there is no study guide. It's not like they have an SAT prep class for it. You pretty much are just required to know 150 answers to questions about transportation, history, geography, food, culture, you name it, sports, like a bunch of things that has to do with New York. So they'll do, they'll ask you questions, something like what street are double decker buses not allowed to drive on in the city? Or things like, what, where is the biggest collection of Picasso paintings found in New York? So the, those kind of questions where you're just supposed to know every answer. Um, I will tell you, those answers, I studied basically by watching documentaries. Shout out to Ken Burns, the documentarian <laughs> that makes PBS documentaries. Because he, he, he made an incredible one about New York. Um, it was like a, I don't know, seven-part series. It was great. And reading guidebooks. I read a lot of guidebooks and just uh, kind of learning a little trivia. You know, um, there was also some gracious people that created some study guides on cram.com, and I was able to study those as well. And so, yeah, it's 150 questions. You have to get 120 right to pass. And if you do get more than 120, then you get a star next to your name on the directory of, like, licensed tour guides. <laughs> so of course, you know your girl got 122 because I had to get that star. Yes. <laughs> so, yeah, so it was great. I thankfully passed it on the first chance, but you do get, like, three chances to take it. Um, once you pass, they send you your license, and then you can go on and, you know, work in either a tour operator or become your own tour operator, which is what I did. Um and then I, you know, I got an LLC for myself and things like that. But it's mainly taking your exam and then pretty much plugging into the industry somehow. Some people choose to go to the double-decker buses after they're licensed 
or they decide that they want to work in a specific museum as a guide there. Um, so it kind of just depends where you want to go from there. I really love that they actually make you take such a thorough and intense exam because I feel like it just ups the quality of all the tour guides in New York. Like, so you know you're not going to be, you know, like with somebody that doesn't know what they're talking about. And side note, I don't know if they do something like that in St. Augustine, but they should. <laughs> I'm just going to throw a little bit of shade right there. <laughs> they should. They seem to be the best. Oh, I mean, wait, they don't, St. Augustine doesn't vet uh, um, their guides that way? I'm saying I don't know if they do or don't, but they should if they don't. Because I've taken a lot of tours in St. Augustine. Some have been good. Others have not. <laughs> others have been very bad. Oh, yeah, you know what's crazy that you mentioned that is that um, some here in New York, if you don't have a license and you get caught by the police, you will get fined. And if you're working for an actual company, a lot of them require you to have a license, so this shouldn't be a problem. But sometimes, like, there are people that are private guides and somehow make their word of mouth maybe, let's say they are Portuguese or they're Brazilian and they know a lot of Brazilians coming to town. So they make their market that, you know, the Brazilians in, in New York market. Um, and they can get away with it to a certain extent of being unlicensed. And being unlicensed is kind of dangerous because at least there's a little bit of information, you know, by passing the exam, you know. Mm -hmm. um, but, if, yeah, it, it's just it's just about the credibility, you know. Our, our history here in New York City is pretty Googleable, like Googleable. Like, you can just search it. <laughs> Um, it's everywhere, so it's, it, yeah, I don't know. I'm just glad that we can get licensed and it's more of a legit situation there. Yeah. So what are some of the lessons that you've learned uh, in these few, you know, these early stages of entrepreneurship? Oh, my goodness. Uh, it's a 24-hour job. Yeah. It is, you definitely don't have days off like before where I would just, you know, you go, you clock in, and on Friday, it's like, it's Friday, that's it, done, bye. No, not the case when you're an entrepreneur. You are working seven days a week, 24 hours. You sleep and dream your, your career. And sometimes, you know, you have to go on vacation and put an away message because people will reach out to you on vacation. Um, so, yeah, definitely the fact that if I thought I was going into this as a you know, a quick and easy job. No, it's not like that. It's much, much more work than a traditional corporate job. So if you don't want to put in the work, stay at your desk job. <laughs> There's a lot of work to do. Um, and also, I've also learned that, again, you have to trust in yourself. I feel like you just really have to a thousand percent trust that what you're doing is the right move for the moment. Things may change, you evolve, but at the moment, this is the right thing that you're doing. Um, and yeah, I'm just, you know, believe in the badassness that you are, you know. Um, and also, I think another thing that I learned is that you, it's okay to seek mentorship. Mm -hmm. um, primarily, in my case, it was more mentorship in the terms of voice acting and like, finding people that are veterans in the community and asking them very frankly, like, Hey, could you mentor me? Or like, can you, you know, coach me on my career? What should I do next? Where should I reach out? I've gotten so many wise nuggets from these women, particularly in this case, women that I've reached out to that have a very successful voice acting career and 
have given me their their lessons that they learned the hard way. And I'm like, okay, I'm not going to go down that path, you know? So seeking mentorship is huge. Yeah, I love um, the fact that you are a newer entrepreneur because we're so old and jaded. And yeah. so we try to have people on the show who've gone, you know, it's like their first five years. Like they're understanding what's happening right now and it's so early on. And I think getting that perspective for our listeners, because a lot of our listeners are people who are just on the cusp of leaving their job or they've just lost their job and they really need to uh, relate to someone who's done that very recently in the past, you know, year, two years, three years. So it's nice to have someone on that can give us still what, make us remind us of what that's like. I, say, like and I, I definitely feel like I learn from younger entrepreneurs because it's just, they look at things not nice. younger, but right. like yeah, newer to right. entrepreneurship yeah. entrepreneurs. They have fresh they, eyes. Yeah, exactly. And so it's like something that I have just been like taking as like the status quo and they're like having just, you know, bringing a fresh new idea to it. And I'm like, whoa, just completely throws you off in a good way. Mm-hmm. Um, so I love talking to people that haven't been like doing it for 10 years because yes, as you said, sometimes we're jaded. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, listen, I hope I don't get to that point where I'm I'm jaded. I know it'll come eventually. But. Yeah, no, it's, I mean, it's not, like, real jaded. It's just, like... You're, you're, like, you're so head down and going with your grind 100% that you don't have time to look up and hear other people's voices all of the time, especially if they're not in the same industry, especially if they're not... That's why this podcast is so, so important yeah, to we're us. we're so lucky for, to like, have that's, this podcast. Yeah, that makes us not like this. Yeah, we can yeah. just look up and we can talk to people and we can talk to people in different industries and what they're doing and take some of those takeaways that we've learned from other people and implement them in our business and really grow from it. So it's really exciting to... Because, I mean, I think kind of like what you said earlier, when people are in a corporate and they just will get to a certain point and don't know how to, like, their assistant does everything and doesn't know, they don't know how to do, like, basic things. Yeah. Entrepreneurs get like that. I mean, mm-hmm. like, entrepreneurs that have been in the game for a long time will be like, I'm not going on the internet, and I'm not going to do it, and I won't, you know what I mean? Like, you see, like, those certain things, like, or, like, you know, people not wanting to create systems because they did things a long time ago, and even yeah. though there's ways to make their life so much easier, they refuse because they're like, I'm not going to touch anything digital. So I, that's why I just think it's so important to always kind of be evolving and, you know, looking towards uh, the newer generations coming in um, to entrepreneurship and, like, learning from them as well. Just, like, always knowing that, like, you don't know it all and there's always more to learn. Oh, for sure. I think that's kind of, like, really that's the best takeaway. It's like, you don't know it all. None mm-hmm. of us do, mm-hmm. you know? And trust that somebody knows something different from you because I do feel like sometimes people get are afraid of seeking out mentorship and, like, I don't know if it's like a sense of pride or something of like, no, I'm doing this on my own. I'm not going to ask somebody to like help me out. But really there's things that you two know that I don't know because you've experienced it. And that's the only way you learned, you know? And I, I feel like it's people need to get off their high horse and like ask for, you know, advice and help from people that have been doing it for a longer time than they have. True story. So are there any um, brands and businesses that you're really inspired by right now? Yeah. So bloggers, I love Color Me Courtney. Yes, I love her. So we talked about her on the podcast a couple weeks ago because I was talking about how I was at the thing at Disney and you were like, did you know that this person's here? And I'm like, I don't know anybody because I am terrible. But she was very sweet and I really like watching her um, ads now, her Microsoft Surface ads on Hulu, so... Yeah, I just love how, you know, uh, how 
honest she is and and how joyful she is I feel like she brings a lot of joy to like Instagram and to mm-hmm. the social media world because like, it's all bright and shiny and but she's also pretty off you know honest about herself and she it's not all rainbows for every you know for her um which I love I love that um and then in terms of voice actors my one of my my mentors Lisa Biggs is awesome she's ridiculously awesome she um you know as she has a very uh high-pitched voice or like a like a smaller sounding voice even though she's older than me and um but she's super accomplished and what when she was younger people told her her voice was squeaky and things like that and she actually turned it around and she's everywhere you guys have definitely heard her voice because she's like number one does the voice of a little boy like great and she's also um toys so she does the for real animals oh yeah yeah all their voices and um and so anyways in terms of my aspirations in voice acting she's one of those people and she's one of those people I reached out to for like career advice because I was like she's doing what I want to do she needs to show me her ways (laughs) um and then in terms of travel I've been a follower of this travel writer nomadic Matt for a while yeah yeah, and I like that he's always kept budget in the mm-hmm. forefront of his trips. So he's always made it, you know, affordable and accessible to anyone and kind of taken away the stigma of, like, expensive travel um, for so long. So I really like – I still like following him. I say he's one of, like, the OGs. He's been doing it for yeah, forever. For real. Forever, yeah. Um, but he knows he, – he still knows how to do it right. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like – and he, he's also one of those people who's very humble and honest about themselves. I think that's kind of maybe what attracts me to people, to brands, is, like, their authenticity. Yeah. So what are you working on and what do you have coming up that our, ourselves and our listeners can look forward to seeing from you? Yeah, so I started developing earlier this year a, a walking tour of the Badass Women of New York, which it is a pretty much a walk through history, mostly of the Greenwich Village and West Village of, of Manhattan. And it talks, we stop and we talk about and we see locations of women that pretty much changed New York history, badass women such as Shirley Chisholm and Eleanor Roosevelt and Jane Jacobs and women that they are, they may be in history books, they may not be in history books, but they all were a big pivotal role to New York history. So I'm very excited to launch that later this year. Um, I've been working on it because I want to, I'm trying to kind of infuse like food and drink stops in the tour. So that's really where I'm at now is like connecting with local businesses so that I can do some food and drink stops. And yeah, I'm really excited because it's going to be, I actually have not seen any walking tours about the women in New York. It's always been very based on specific times in history versus Mm -hmm. people. And so I'm very excited to bring it. And I think that now a day is like women are banding together more and, you know, we want to, we're trying to like uplift each other. So I think it's like the perfect time to come out with like a walking tour of, you know, awesome women to look up to. Um, so that's coming next, and then just lots of auditioning, and I'll keep you posted if I'm, you know, the next voice of, like, Little Mermaid or something. <laughs> yes, let Some us know. Toy. I will definitely be on that walking tour as well. And I was just thinking, I'm like, what a great gift that would be, like, to buy for, like, your best friend for her birthday and just go on a walking tour. Those are, like, the type of gifts someone like me would love. Just throwing that out there, listeners. <laughs> <laughs> they make very good gifts. <laughs> 
I mean, and also it's just the best, a better way of experiencing New York. I mean, exactly. I'm a local. I was born here. My family were immigrants that immigrated to New York in 1960s. My grandma worked at a bobby pin factory in the 60s. You know, um, we have deep roots here, and so it's not just like a regular tour. You're yeah. learning from like somebody that has the history in here. Yeah, that's amazing. I'm super excited, especially because yes. I haven't done a lot of West Village when I'm in the city. So I'm really like, you're gonna have to take me out. We're gonna have to do it, even Let's if it's just it. like tour for one. And I will pay you all your day rate. Totally. Well, thank you so much for coming to the show and talking about New York and all of your journeys to getting here and being a badass woman of New York yourself. So yes. Definitely. Thank you. It was so wonderful speaking with you guys, and I love your podcast. I really do listen to it, and I love when you guys bring in guests, so I'm very honored to be one of your guests. Thank Thank you. you. Thank you.